Mike Arsenault is here. We're going to talk a, a couple of matters from the weekend in the world of sports, starting with Canadian Corey Connors with an improbable victory yesterday in Texas. He wins the Valero Texas Open. Here he is immediately uh, afterwards. Uh, no, we don't have him. Okay, well, hang on for a second and uh, hear from uh, Mr. Connors himself. Let's hear from Mr. Arsenault on this, though. Uh, Mike, uh, just set this up for us because Corey Connors from Listowel, Ontario, uh, was a Monday qualifier. And for those that don't know, this is like as improbable a story as you will ever get in the in the world of golf. It's unheard of that somebody that has to qualify on a Monday actually wins the tournament. And Corey Connors, a part-time PGA uh, Tour player, finished 130th in the uh, FedEx Cup race last year. So it means he didn't have his full tour card. And as you mentioned, he had to qualify. Wins his first PGA Tour victory, snatching that win from the jaws of defeat. I mean, the round was just incredible, Jeff. It was a roller coaster ride. He goes four under through the first five holes right. as a couple shot lead. Bogies four in a row. Somehow is able to regroup for the back nine and shoots six under par for a three shot win for his first ever victory. I mean, there's tour pros, Tiger Woods, Phil Mickelson, who couldn't come back for four bogeys in a row to win a tournament. He does that in his maiden voyage, his first victory. Yeah, Absolutely for, incredible. For those who don't follow golf, when you bogey four holes in a row, basically you're choking. I mean, a lot of people think uh, you just can't uh, handle the heat, that uh, the moment is too big for you, right? It was three different rounds. I mean, he started off so hot, and he had that stretch where he lost the lead, and that's what a lot of the commentary on the NBC coverage was. This guy's choking. What's going on with him? And then I don't know what if it was a conversation with his caddy after the front nine or potentially with, with his wife who was following along, and she had some fantastic reactions Let's on the coverage. Let's talk about her, because they're newlyweds, right? Uh, just recently uh, married, and this is such a great story, as I mentioned from Listowel, uh, Corey Connor's wife uh, actually grew up next door to his grandparents, just got married, and uh, they're on the road together. And this is what makes the story uh, so heartwarming and so fantastic because golf is different than any other sport. When you're trying to make it, make it on the PGA Tour, it's lonely out there, isn't it? It is. Well, there's no guaranteed money. Like if you're a fourth liner for the Leafs or uh, at the back of the bench for the Raptors, you're still making the league minimum. For golfers, you only make money either from endorsements or depending on how well you play. So Corey Connors, again, a part-time player. He's going to all these tournaments throughout the world. It costs a lot of money to travel, to bring your equipment, coaches, practice time, everything that you need. And now he has nothing to worry about. He has a two-year exemption by winning the tournament. Mm -hmm. uh, he's 13th now in the FedEx Cup, one3 $3 million dollars and most importantly jeff for golf fans like us he gets into the masters this week which is going to be fun to watch but i just love this story because it's the two of them against the world basically and you could see that on her face uh, i mean the cameras kept cutting to her with every putt he made uh, down the stretch and her reaction was just uh well, it's it's hard to describe. It was priceless. She was right there with him every step of the way. He was being very focused and stoic, and it was almost like she was wearing every emotion for the for them both. Well, it was like she was the physical manifestation of what he was actually feeling because he has to stay calm and cool with those ups and downs that he had throughout the round, and she is just letting her emotions fly, ring, wearing her heart on her sleeve, and it was just great to see that, to see all the work he's put in, 27 years old, to... Uh, reach this point in his professional career and then rather than uh, coming home or to the next smaller tournament he's booking flights uh, to augusta georgia yeah incredible we do have Corey connors here uh, let's have a quick uh, listen to what he had to say uh, after the round after this improbable victory yeah it's gone by pretty quick i don't think it's sunk in um really exciting <laughs> it just doesn't seem real it, uh, it's pretty amazing uh couldn't be more excited to kind of get over the edge and uh, get the job done. There's so many perks that come with it, and 
felt like I handled myself really well out there, stayed relaxed and stuck to the process and look forward to uh, doing this a few more times. One final thing about uh, Corey Connors. Noticed uh, watching the final round yesterday, he carries a Toronto Maple Leafs yardage book with him, which a lot of people thought maybe that doomed him yesterday. <laughs> well, we'll see. Yeah. So Corey Connors teeing off on Thursday, and that's, of course, when the Leafs start their first-round series against the Boston Bruins. And let's talk about that. Yes, it's the Bruins and the Leafs once again. Uh, give us your read on this uh, series. Uh, my feeling is this could go seven games, Mike, or this could be done in four. You just don't know. I think I'm, I'm with you, Jeff. I, I'm not really sure what to expect because you think the Leafs would – be better suited than they were last year. I mean, they gave t- gave up 28 goals in just seven games in last year's series. Uh, Freddie Anderson had three very tough games, one, two, and seven. But then the Leafs did come back from a 3-1 deficit to tie it up to force that game seven. But I think uh, we were talking about this earlier. This is really a litmus test for Austin Matthews. And not just Matthews, I think Mike Babcock. Because if they get kind of blown out of the water here by Boston in the first round, I think there are some questions surrounding uh, Bob- Babcock's longevity. And also Austin Matthews, you signed for all that money, you want to be the mm-hmm. big Big dog in the yard. We need to step up in okay. April. Okay, Let, let's talk about this a little bit because uh, it's interesting. At practice earlier today, Babcock and Matthews had a one-on-one on the ice, and uh, they were back and forth at each other. The media, of course, asking, uh, well, what were you guys talking about? And they both said, well, are you kidding me? I'm not going to tell you. I'm not going to talk to you about this. But uh, do you think maybe the coach was just saying to Matthews, uh, listen, this is your time, your time to shine, your time to step up. We know that there's been... Kind of a disagreement, if you will. Babcock famously, after a year one, uh, had to go down to uh, Arizona and talk to Austin and his uh, family. They haven't, it appears anyways, from the outside looking in, always seen uh, eye to eye. So uh, what do you make of the coach uh, getting his superstar, uh, getting together with him on the ice earlier today? Well, I think this is what he has to do. Because, I mean, again, as I mentioned, this, mentioned, this is the big series for both of them. But with Austin Matthews, with, again, that big contract, Mike Babcock has kind of put the reins on him a little bit. A lot of people have been saying he's needed more power play time. He needs more ice time. This is when I think you take the restrictor plate off. You let him play as much as you can. You ride your horses as far as you can within this series, and that's what Toronto's going to have to do. They're going to have to lean heavily on Austin Matthews, John Tavares, Mitch Marner, and these guys are going to have to step up, but it has to start and end with Austin Matthews. Okay, if the Leafs go out in, uh, dare I say, four or five games, do you think Matthews bears a lot of heat here because of the big uh, contract, or, or is it just too early? Uh, are people going to say, listen, it's we're, we're three seasons in, and uh, listen, the their future still ahead of them? Or do you think that Matthews is going to bear? I mean, this is the toughest hockey market there is, right? Toronto. I mean, if Matthews scores 10 points in four or five games, you really can't lay it at his feet if Freddie Anderson struggles or the Leafs' depth isn't there, the defense isn't able to keep up with Boston's top two forward lines. Or they get run over because I think a lot of people are worried they don't have enough sandpaper, right? Enough grit to play the Bruins. And I think that that bears out. And if you just look at the last game of the season, how is your preparation for the playoffs? A very tough series against the Boston Bruins. And you play a run and gun game against the Montreal Canadiens. Yes, there's nothing to play for for the Canadiens. The Leafs just wanted to get some work in. But that's not really what you want to have. Those feelings of wild scoring, 45, 50 shots. Freddie Anderson gives up five goals. Is that how you really want to enter the playoffs with that kind of bitter taste in your mouth of a a tough loss playing that 1985-style hockey, which can't win playoff series here in 2019? Yeah, but again, do you think it's fair if the Leafs do go out in the first round again that Austin Matthews, I mean, with that big deal that he signed, uh, what, just really a month ago, right? Maybe a month and a half ago. 
Uh, is it fair to lay, to leave all that criticism at his feet? Uh, I mean, I guess with big money comes big responsibility, right? Exactly. I think you have to. So it starts and ends with Austin Matthews, but I think more so if they go out in four or five, I mean, Matthews is going to be here for a while. I think you have to look at Mike Babcock. Is he going to make it through? It looks like there is some friction between him and Kyle Dubas in terms of Babcock not really being happy with maybe the the players that he has for the stretch run and as they head into the playoffs. But I think if it's a, a four or five game defeat by the Leafs, I would put it at 50-50 odds that Babcock doesn't make training camp next year. Wow, really? Okay, because he's the $8 million man. They, they figure, uh, you know, the, everyone figures Babcock is here for the long term. But, but, but that's the difference. When he signed, that's what everyone said. He has this long contract, highest paid coach in hockey, and that was the case then. But now as all these young guys are starting to get older, is there a tune-out factor with Mike Babcock? He's kind of worn out his welcome in every other market that he's coached in because he's a tough guy. He demands a lot of his players, and at some point... Maybe the guys start tuning them out. So if it's not a competitive series, if the Leafs get blown out, I think the bullseye goes on Babcock first. Matthews as well, but Matthews isn't going anywhere. Mm -hmm. So who do you kind of lay the blame at? Who's the sacrificial lamb? Probably Mike Babcock. All right. I got to get a break. Uh, Mike is going to stick around. Uh, When we come back, we're going to talk about tailgating because there are some major changes apparently in the winds when it comes to that, that the provincial government is set to propose in their upcoming budget. More on that straight ahead here on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Okay, sports fans in the province will apparently soon be able to have a a drink and tailgate uh, before a game. The government, uh, we're hearing today, will announce it's a budget later this week, the provincial government. And apparently a part of that budget is a plan to legalize uh, the practice of tailgating, seen, of course, in parking lots at sporting events in the U.S., Premier Doug Ford's uh, director of strategic communications tweeting that the change means the government is set to treat adults like adults. And at 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale, we're going to take some of your calls, get some input here on uh, whether or not this is a good or a bad idea to kind of legalize, as it were, or open up the practice of tailgating. Uh, Mike uh, Arsenault from Global Sports is uh, still here uh, with us this afternoon. And uh, Mike, uh, what what is your feeling and your take on this when it comes to tailgating? You've been to an NFL uh, game, a tailgating uh, yeah, experience? Yeah, the Bills game in November, and it's a great atmosphere. I mean, it's a little bit different because the Bills Stadium in Orchard Park is kind of outside of the city, so it's not downtown like many of our arenas and stadiums are. But I right. think this could really work at uh, TFC games, Argos games. I mean, the Argos kind of tried this, their own tailgate. But I think fans are able to bring uh, their own drinks and stuff. It will create the atmosphere. I mean, TFC fans pretty much tailgate, quote-unquote, in terms of the, the parting and the atmosphere they create during the game. So I think they would carry that over to before the game. In terms is of- that the problem, sorry, with the CFL experience? Because uh, from what I heard, it was just a little too corporate. That uh, tailgating, uh, I mean, in its essence, is supposed to be something a little more homegrown, a little more uh, homespun. Uh, I, I went to tailgate in uh, Tennessee. I watched the Titans play uh, years ago. It was my first ever NFL experience. And as, a, as great as the game was, it was almost the, the game outside the stadium that was going on because people would show up like hours. I mean, like six, seven hours before the game. They had like trailers with like satellite TV. It looked like a little roving sports bar and they were like cooking up ribs and well, drinking it's, beers. It's, it's a full all, day experience. Yeah. And it's all stuff that they brought themselves. And it's it's democratizing as well because everyone kind of does it every week and you meet people you've known for, for years and you can kind of hang out with them and have some drinks, have some 
food. And that was the thing with the, Ar- the Argos. It was kind of tailgating for dorks, right? Like you, kind of, <laughs> you couldn't have that experience. You had to, to go in the fan zones and it was marketed to within an inch of its life. You had to pay for beer there. It wasn't even really that much of a cheaper price than what you'd find in the stadium. So I just don't know how you're going to replicate it exactly other than at BMO Field with the Scotiabank Arena. I mean, I guess you could do it in Jurassic Park, but I feel like MLSC is still going to kind of control that atmosphere, and I find it very unlikely they're going to allow people to bring their own beer in when they can sell it from their own vendors. Well, this is what the government is saying. Any parking lot or venue within a reasonable distance, whatever that might be, from a major sporting complex such as Rogers Center or Scotiabank Arena would be able to apply for the permit. And to your point about tailgating being kind of normally on the outskirts, whether it be Ralph Wilson Stadium in Buffalo or somewhere else, most of these huge 80,000 stadiums, uh, 80,000 seat stadiums uh, that hold NFL games are usually on the outskirts of uh, a city a a lot of times. I mean, can you do that uh, responsibly and reasonably in a place like Jurassic Park, uh, Maple Leaf uh, Square? And is that even tailgating? Because, I mean, it's just getting a bunch of people together in front of what is a uh, large screen to to watch a game. I mean, tailgating, as we were just talking about, is something that kind of happens organically before the game. And then most people go into the stadium to watch the, the actual game. Well, if you try and do it downtown Toronto, it's going to be tailgating light. Because if you bring your own coolers in and stuff, what happens to the coolers and your food and all that when you go into the game? So you have to bring stuff maybe a a six pack of beer that you can kind of get rid of once you're ready to go in the game so you're not going to have that tailgate experience where your car is right there and then once you're done eating and drinking put your stuff in the car lock it up and then go into the game you won't be able to do that at jurassic park or even around rogers center rogers center has a little bit more room i guess if you kind of closed everything off within the vicinity of rogers center you could do this somewhat but again it's really just it's just a new law to allow people to kind of drink their own beer around the stadium. It's not really tailgating. It's just kind of, again, loosening up the alcohol laws, I guess. All right, 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. Let's get a couple of takes. Here's Adam in Peterborough on this. Uh, Adam, go ahead. Your thoughts on, uh, I guess, essentially legalizing tailgating is what the provincial government's talking about. Yeah, I've owned a, I've owned a bar for the last 16 years in Ontario, and uh, so hold a uh, liquor license. And for them to say this, that they're going to open up parking lots for people to drink at, it's, I just think it's the biggest joke. It's not going to happen. Like, there's no way Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment, who have a brewery of Molson at the uh, arena there, are going to allow or want people drinking their own liquor outside. They want those $12 pints to be sold. Mm-hmm. Yeah, is it unfair to business owners, bar owners such as yourself? Oh, 100%. Because, like, we have somebody take one step outside the bar with a beer in their hand, and not only are we liable, but the patron also gets charged. And now it's going to be, like, you can go drink in a parking lot? And, like, I just can't see it happening. Yeah, do you sense, what does your experience as a long-term, uh, long-time bar owner tell you about uh, kind of loosening up uh, some liquor restrictions? Are we just kind of asking for trouble? Well, over the last 15 years, 15, 16 years with the Liberal government, they've, they've tightened up on everything. Like We're even responsible for the businesses next to our business if anything happens from somebody leaving your business drinking. So like, they're going to have to go backwards on everything they've said. Well, you know, it's interesting because uh, as you were just saying that, I was thinking about SmartServe, right? And everybody's got to have that. Uh, where does SmartServe go when people are just showing up uh, bringing their own booze to a tailgate party? Well, the thing with the government is you have to remember they will not take responsibility for anything. So all that onus and responsibility is going to be put on the bar or the server. So depending on what people drink outside, you're still responsible for the first drink that you serve them. 
Yeah, but you got to wonder who holds that responsibility. And Adam, thanks for the phone call. When there's no purveyor of alcohol other than the individual, they're the ones that are bringing it uh, in a tailgate situation. Thanks for your call. Here's another Adam, Adam in Etobicoke on this next. Adam, go ahead. You're on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Yeah, I'm always amazed how easily the media gets distracted every time they, the government mentions alcohol. It seems like maybe you guys drink more than other people. It's not a big issue for most people. This is just seems to be, and, and nothing is going to save the Argos. It is tailgate party or not. Um, but, but I'm sorry, you don't find this a legitimate issue uh, when we talk about maybe uh, loosening restrictions on alcohol, uh, consuming it in public? No, I think the Ford government knows that you guys will bite, and it distracts you from the real things that you should be looking at. Such as? Education. Okay, which we, we talked about and covered immensely uh, last week as it was happening. Uh, I, I don't quite understand your reasoning why you don't think, uh, you know, extending uh, alcohol is a legitimate issue. Because I don't think it matters. I, you, it, it's that everything, liquor, in the, whether you're putting beer in the stores or all of this stuff. Okay, well, what would you say to the other Adam who just phoned, who's a longtime bar owner, who's saying that this is going to cut into his business and his livelihood and his, uh, essentially his ability to feed his family, perhaps? Yeah, well, I'd say, so uh, you were just blaming the liberals. So now, aren't you glad you voted in the Tories? Well, I don't know what his uh, vote was, Adam. I'm going to thank you for the phone call. But, uh, you know, I think there are some legitimate uh, concerns here because whenever you change the rules and the regulations, there's some winners and some losers, as we just heard from the the bar owner. And I think there are some uh, concerns as well as uh, Mike Arsenal, who's here with us from Global Sports, as we were talking about uh, when you're looking at a small area like uh, Maple Leaf Square or maybe even a a larger area, uh, you know, 60, 70,000 people at a Blue Jays game, if that many are even going to show up uh, this season. Uh, But if you've got tailgating and alcohol uh, and the consumption is up uh, outside, does that create more problems, perhaps, inside for those that, that are going in? Because you're, you know, already liquored up. Well, inside the stadiums as well. But just think of, I mean, people could use this opportunity to just drink in the vicinity of a stadium. I mean, our stadiums downtown are very close to the entertainment district. So you could get a bunch of people who aren't there for the tailgating. But, hey, I can drink all I want on the street before I go to the bars and stuff. So there could be issues there with actual fans kind of wanting to just have a, a good time with a bit of a tailgate to other people who are just looking to for an excuse to drink for free uh, out in public, depending on... Well, another question I have with this, too, is that I assume it's just attached to when a sporting event's taking place. I mean, if Scotiabank applies for this thing, can you just take a, a beer with you on within 10 feet of... The front doors of the arena is that allowed if there's not a game on or well, how about a concert? Right, have to be concert. Same thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, can you uh, tailgate uh, at a concert beforehand now and uh, they apply for a permit? I mean, these are all good questions. And one final uh, question I want to ask you, uh, Mike, uh, before we uh, move on here this afternoon is: uh, there's been that argument when it comes to tailgating that if this is what you need to do to attract fans to your game. Maybe you really got to kind of look at yourself in the mirror, whether you're the CFL or whoever else. I mean, does alcohol and sports events, do they always have to go hand in hand? I think if you're a fan of the Jays this season, that answer would be yes. <laughs> otherwise, it's uh, it's it's not much to look at in uh, in the stadium. But I, I think I think it does go hand in hand a little bit. I mean, I don't think it's going to save the Argos like the earlier caller mentioned. I don't think that's the point of this. It's the point to kind of maybe create that atmosphere. I don't think uh, if you're not interested in going to an Argos game, being able to maybe drink a couple beers before you go in, that's probably. I mean, maybe that'll bring in a casual fan once. That's not going to kind of bring them back 
to the game or get them to buy a season ticket to watch the Argos. This is just something that potentially could be a good thing for some of the sports teams, but I think uh, as we've just proven here over the last few minutes, a lot of irons still need to be kind of figured out before we are fully on board with this. All right. Mike Arsenault for us this afternoon. Mike, really appreciate all the time this afternoon. Thank you, sir. Anytime, Jeff.